0: Well, good morning, and welcome once again to Rancho Baptist Church, and welcome to the month of August, for we are doing something a little bit different. We're going to do a, a mini-series here, and I'm so thankful that we have called this mini-series Firm Foundation, because that is indeed what we are going to take a look at, and what we hold to as being that the firm foundation of this church, Rancho Baptist Church. You know, as I look around and I, and I see where different churches are at these days, I see God's word being undermined. You know, there are many, many things that you could build Christ's church upon without even really recognizing that that has become what the church is all about. You could build the the church upon the personality of the pastor, depending on how outgoing, Gregorious and and everything they are. You could build the church upon the the strength of of its leadership. You could build the church on its programs. You could build the church on its music. You could build the church on, on, on the community. As we served the Lord in Papua New Guinea, it became apparent at one point that the village actually believed in the church that was birthed through the preaching of the word, that maybe the best name for, for that, that church would have been New Tribes Bible Church. And I said, no, we can't, we can't call this New Tribes Bible Church. This isn't about New Tribes. The mission organization that's now Ethnos 360. I said, no, this, this needs to be Christ Bible Church or... How about Siawi Bible Church? Because that's who you guys are. This is Christ Church here in this village. I'd say today what, what, what a, a big drawing card is for lots of pastors that they've kind of run to to make the foundation of their church is politics, social justice, right? But what about all of those foundations? What if we build Rancho Baptist Church upon those foundations? They will not last. They will not give glory to the Lord. And so what we are going to see this morning and what we're going to see for the next four Sundays is what we are determining to be the firm foundation of Rancho Baptist Church. We're going to start with God's word. We're going to start with how God made himself known, how God still makes himself known to us. And really, where everything starts to become dismantled and go the wrong direction is with what you were laying down as the foundation for your church as pastors. Here's a good quote for you to write down. What you win people with is what you win them to. Meaning if God's word isn't held in high regard, but instead donuts and coffee and everything else and, and lowering the lights and, or a, 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 just an incredible music ensemble, you win people in with that, that's what's gonna keep them there. But if you win them with the word of God, and you make God's word the foundation, then that is something that will remain stable and steady. And that's what we are endeavoring to do. As we take this, this time, these four weeks, on this, that firm foundation, these are truths that, that we would hold to be the, the core beliefs of the leadership here of us as a body. And the first one that we're going to start with is this, the revelation of God, making himself known. Turn with me to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is a, is a good book in the Bible, a particular chapter in the Bible written by David that is good for you to have memorized, to understand. Hey, when I want to teach someone or I want to remind myself how God has revealed himself to us, Man, this is the go-to passage because it gives us a picture of both. What we're going to see is that God has revealed himself through a general revelation. And and when I say revelation, we could turn to the the book of Revelation. And we could find that what that Greek word means is an uncovering. It means a disclosure. But, But that's not what we're looking at today. We're not going to be looking at the book of Revelation which has to do with the end times, the coming times. What we are going to look at is is how God has revealed himself to man. And in Psalm 19 it's it's given beautifully. The first four verses we will see clearly that God speaks to mankind through the universe, through creation. And then we're going to see in verses 7 to 8 that God speaks more personally personally. Not in a general sense, but in a very special and particular sense. He speaks through the word of God. And we'll see that in verses 7 to 8. But let's begin in verse 1, Psalm 19. And notice what God's word says. It is so good for us. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. Not the heavens told once, and, and now it's, it's stopped. stopped. No, the heavens are telling. Today, yesterday, tomorrow, what do the heavens do? The heavens declare the glory of God. That as we get up in the morning and we see the beautiful sunrise, what are they pointing us to? They're pointing us past that sunrise to the God that created them. And all the clouds and all the majesty and all the colors. Or the sunset or the beautiful mountains. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands, even though God doesn't have hands. He's bringing it down to our level so that we could somehow understand, but he didn't even use his hands to create. We're going to see later from John that we know that he, by his word, made everything. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge doesn't matter if you're outside during the day or you're outside at night both times creation speaks and what it speaks of is God's existence and those that are atheists they chose at some point to just stiff arm God and say no he doesn't exist because he has made himself known through creation that is what Psalm 19 is saying verse 3 there is no speech nor are there words Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. Doesn't matter where you go. Wherever you go, there is a witness to the Lord, to God, that he exists. So even in the jungles of Papua New Guinea, a far remote village that is basically untouched by the outside world, do you know what? They had an understanding of God through creation. Just as God's word says, and their utterances to the end of the world. And then look at verses 7 and 8. This is special revelation. And we will see as we walk through God's Word today just how amazingly special God's Word is. Because what it can do is entirely different than what general and natural revelation can do. As God has revealed Himself to us through creation, what we are going to see is as masterful and as beautiful as as it is, it is lacking. It is limited. Not so God's Word. Look at what we read. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So, if creation points to the glory of God and points to the existence of God, look what the law of God does, what the word of God does. It restores the soul, in verse 7. It turns those that are simple, it makes us wise. It allows our hearts to rejoice and it enlightens our eyes. And I don't even know I did this first service. Let's start off in praying that the Lord would enlighten our eyes. That the Lord would allow us to rejoice in our hearts because of how he has revealed himself to us. Do you recognize that all of this points to God's grace? He didn't have to reveal himself to us. He could have remained silent forever, but that's not our God. Our God is so loving and gracious and full of mercy that that he couldn't help but to let us know. Hey, look at me. This is my handiwork. But even more than that, I want you to be saved, so I'm going to give you my word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Psalm 19. We thank you for Psalm 8. We thank you for Romans 1. We thank you for John 1. We thank you for all your wonderful scriptures that we're going to look at this morning and we thank you that you are our wonderful God who is a revealing God that you are a communicating God that you are a disclosing God that you are a God full of grace and truth and if all your truth was written down it would be a book that would never stop being written But you and your goodness and your grace to us, you have given us all the truth that you wanted to give us. And it is what we hold in our very hands this morning. So guide our time. Speak to us through your word as only you can. And may our response be hearts full of worship and gratitude and thanksgiving to you. And for anyone this morning that is here that does not know you, that does not have a right relationship with you, that has not trusted in you as their Savior, that has not understood that they are a sinner. Open their blind eyes this morning, their deaf ears, to what your word says, that you and through your word alone can restore our souls, Lord. That can cause our hearts to rejoice and to be full of joy. that because of sin we deserve death and eternal punishment but by your incredible grace we can gain eternal life guide our time now and it's in Jesus name that we pray amen my intention here is not to give us an exhaustive look at these two Ways that God has revealed himself to us. If, if I were to do that, I, I'd, I'd have to spend months because it is so rich and deep on this particular topic of general revelation and special revelation. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm endeavoring here to explain, to remind us all this morning of why this matters. Why God's word matters and even why the creation around us matters why God did make the universe including you and me and how he is known through looking at it, through gazing at it and seeing actually beyond it to the God who designed it, created it, made it and how his power is on display and why you and I, we should believe the foundation of God's word in our own relationship with the Lord And how we as a church should not compromise on this being God's word, inerrant, without error. God breathed that he is the author of it. And why you can trust this as his word and only his word. So look at verses 2 and 3 again, Psalm 19. There seems to be a, a bit of a contradiction here. Verse 2, day to day pours forth speech. What pours forth speech? His creation, the universe around us. It seems to speak. And night to night, it reveals knowledge. It doesn't matter if you're looking at it during the day or during the night. It's speaking, it's, it's giving knowledge. But then look at verse 4. Or I'm sorry. Verse 3, there is no speech. Nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. So so what is it, Pastor Jason? Does it speak or does it not speak? And I would say yes. It speaks, but it doesn't speak. It doesn't speak in an oral way. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about speaking to our intellects, speaking to our minds, speaking to our hearts. But it's not speaking audibly. It's speaking through God's creation, and we're going to see that. Look at Psalm chapter 8. I think this is so sweet. Again, written by David, who we have to understood spent a lot of time outside in God's creation, soaking it in, loving it, loving the God who created it. And look at what he says. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, meaning that they came by you, and through your power, that you've ordained them, you put them into place. And when I consider them and, and notice, he says, the work of your fingers. What happens when you're using your fingers on something? It's, it's given us the idea that it's small. That, that all of the universe and all of the galaxies and everything that we know and, and the more that telescopes get more and more high powered and we go further and further you know what happens God becomes larger and larger and larger that's what David is saying and as I behold the wonder of your heavens and I and I think about them as as being held just in your hand there's something else that happens to me not only do I do I see the expanseness and the wonder of just how big you are and that is my prayer for us that you would indeed see the, the largeness, just how big God is. And the larger that you see God, look at where David goes next in verse four. The more that you see the amazing fact that he cares about us. What is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? As he looks at God and he looks at creation and the universe, and he, and he looks at the universe and he just says how expansive and huge it is. And he, and he recognizes, man, I'm so small compared to the universe. And yes, and I'm so small compared to God, who is even just so much greater than everything else. And then he says, and yet, what blows my mind above all other things is this God that is greater than all. He cares for me. And in, and in the Hebrew, this word means to. To come to our aid. This this word means to watch over someone. This word means to help us in a manner that shows concern and care and help in difficult circumstances. Understanding that God created everything should help you and me get through each day. Why? Because the one who has such power that is put on display as we look around at everything in creation, that the word of God says that that God, our God, cares for you. And what a testimony of his grace. Everything that we're going to see this morning is a testimony of God's grace and goodness and what kind of God he is. But it's not just in the Old Testament. It's not just in Psalm that we could go and, and we could see how God has made Himself known through general revelation, through creation. Look at Romans, and probably the most powerful passage in all of God's Word about the testimony, about the witness of creation, and that what it does is it holds us accountable, so that we as mankind, do you know what we are? We are without excuse. But what about those people in the middle of nowhere that have no gospel witness, Pastor Jason? Oh, you mean the Siawi people in the jungles of Papua New Guinea who had never heard of God, the God of the Bible. What does God's word say about them? God's word says that they are without excuse. Why? Because God has given them a witness and a testimony. And yet what do they do well, we see it represented. What they do is stiff arm Look at what it says in verses eighteen to nineteen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And what do they do? Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So they know what the truth is, but what are they doing? they're pushing back against the truth? No, I don't want that as the truth. Because if, if God is my creator, and if God is the one who is over all things, well, then that means I'm going to have to listen to him. And you know what? Just as when I'm a little kid and I don't like to obey my parents, I certainly don't want to obey God now as an adult. And I recognize that that puts me in that kind of position. So you know what? I'm just going to say no. Because what? Because that which is known about God is evident. Clearly seen. Clearly visible. Clearly understood within them. I believe a better translation isn't so much within them. You could have translated this among them. That it's, it's the idea of not that, that it's somehow innate. That it's born within us. That we all have this propensity to believe that there's a God that exists. And we, and we all, if you're just one year old or, or you're just a new little baby... And somehow you could speak you'd say, oh, I know God exists. No, what, what brings about this knowledge of God is through our looking of his creation. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. God has made it clear. And that is what we see. God has made himself known through the nonverbal means of his creation, his universe. We could go into chapter two and we could also say that God's made himself known through his conscience, our conscience. But again, I I don't want to get into everything this morning. In fact, I I just again want to encourage you that if you aren't involved in Wednesday nights here at family night yet, to please come. And during that time, I'm going to start a a series. I don't know how long this is going to take. Probably take the, the entire year of Adventure Club. And we're going to walk through this. And we're going to go through this in detail, by detail, by detail, and just see how wonderful our God is. And then if you have questions, you can give us questions, and I'll bring in some other guys that have knowledge about this, along with myself. But do you see what what is lacking here? And all that we see in the wonder of God making himself oh so known, there is something that is lacking. There is something that is messed up. Because what it does not do is allow us to be saved. It doesn't speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. Although he could have chosen to have the rocks give the gospel, they don't. And creation does not give the gospel. Why is that? Turn back with me to Genesis, the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3. You see, there, there, there is a limitation, and it's understood in this general revelation, and this will guide us into where we're going next, to this special revelation, why we needed something more, why we need something that's over and above this. As great as this is, this is not enough. This does not meet our need for saving. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. 17 all the way to 19. Do you recognize as wonderful and as beautiful and as awesome as the creation is around us, our earth, the ocean, the stars, the sunset, the mountains, and everything as marvelous and as wonderful as it is and definitely none of us could make it, Do you know what God's word says about it? It's cursed. You know what Romans says about it? It's it's like it's in labor, like a woman who's just about to have birth, and everybody knows that that's not a good time, that that's what creation is right now. Look at what it says. Then to Adam, he said, God said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So, in the state that creation is right now, it is in this cursed state. It is not in the state that God intended it to be in. Because of what? Because of sin. And so in essence, what has happened? God has offered, by His wonderful grace, a way to know that He exists through this natural revelation, through the creation that's all around us, through the universe. But this picture of God and His power and His goodness that we see in Romans One twenty, on display for since the creation of the world is invisible attributes. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse, that we're all without excuse. If all that we have is creation, we are without excuse and we all will end up in eternal damnation. If we didn't get this other perspective, this other gift of God's grace given to us in this special revelation, why? Because it's distorted. That this picture of God and His power and His godness, that's what it speaks of. His invisible attributes and His power that is on display. It's what? It's distorted by the curse in two different ways, distorted by its sin. One, it's in my own heart, and it's in your heart, that that we are depraved. And so we're not going to look at it from the vantage point that we should look at it. Why? Because sin taints us. But it's not just ourselves and our perspective. It's also creation itself. It's been tainted by sin. And so as a result, it's in this cursed position now that God will fix one day. So what does man need? In order to know God, man needs a revealing of God that overcomes this corruption of nature and corruption of ourselves. What does man need? Man needs a special revelation. And praise the Lord, that is the God that we have who gives us a special revelation. And when I speak of a special revelation, I've given you this definition. God has made himself known personally through the verbal disclosing of himself. Notice that's personal. Notice this is different than general revelation. That's not personal. Everybody's getting it. And everybody can have their perspective on, oh, what that means and what this means. But when we come to this, when we come to God's verbal disclosing of himself, there's only one interpretation for what God intended and what he meant when he says what he says and what he wrote in his word. But I don't want us to limit and think that, that this, what we hold in our hands, that this is all that there is to God's special revelation. Do you recognize that it didn't start like this? That by this definition, special revelation is something that is oral, that is audible, and we see it throughout Scripture. Look at Genesis chapter 2. We'll start here. In verses 16 to 17. And we're all familiar with this, but I don't think we stop and pull back and think about exactly what this is communicating to us. 16 to 17, the Lord commanded the man, just stop there. That's words. That's speaking. That isn't, he didn't even write him something. He didn't etch it on stone. He didn't act it out in charades so that possibly Adam couldn't understand what he meant. No, he spoke to him and Adam understood exactly what God meant. And what God was saying, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'm sorry, I did that in first service too. The Lord God commanded the man saying, verse 16, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good one, that one, of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. What is that? That is special revelation. That's Mano imano. That is God speaking with the only man in existence at this time. That is God setting up a standard. That is God setting up a practice. That is God revealing the kind of God that he is. He's not a God who stays idly back and doesn't communicate with us. He is a God who is full of grace and truth and he wants to express himself to us. And he starts off doing that verbally. And we could trace this throughout the Old Testament. We could go to Genesis 6 and we could look at Noah. And we could say there, not only does he speak, but then he also does some sort of miraculous sign by bringing the flood. But how does he do that? How does he save Noah? Does he just beep it into Noah's mind and speak to him? Like, no. He literally comes and talks to him, communicates with him. This is all special revelation. This is all what the Lord is doing as he communicates again and again and again in the Old Testament. And he does it through prophets. He does it through Moses. And he keeps doing it. And then the crescendo comes. Then comes the special revelation above all other special revelations. Then comes the special revelation that starting in Genesis, everything was pointing to. Then comes the special revelation that was given to us in small little glimpses in what is known as a theophany, where the Son of God appears before he becomes incarnate. He shows up and he speaks. But what we see revealed to us in passages like we're going to look at, in fact, turn there with me now, John chapter 1 is this. The living word, that is Jesus Christ. That is how God has revealed to us in the most personal and verbal way that we could because what was Jesus all about? Everywhere that he went, what did he do? He taught, he spoke verbally with people over and over and over again. Yes, he did all sorts of miracles, but do you know what he was doing even more than that? He was speaking, he was teaching, he was praying. When he didn't have to pray, He didn't have to do it out loud. He was doing it in order to teach us. And in that, really what he was doing was he was giving us this special revelation that really ties in all of the Old Testament with the New Testament. And the reason why we see Jesus throughout the Old Testament is because Jesus is the author of it all. Look at John 1.1. You guys are all probably already there. (laughs) John 1 1 and notice how this points back God does this on purpose to remind us of hey remember Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God and now what does he do here the same exact phrase in the beginning was the word and who's the word the word is the son of God the word is the son of God that by his word spoke everything into existence at Genesis 1 1 in the beginning and now that same word has took on human form and flesh And what does he come to do? He's come to communicate. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Again, pointing back, all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And then look at this. In him was life. Where have we heard that before? We've heard it from Peter's mouth. Who do you say, where, would, where, would, where should we go? Remember what Peter says in, in John 6, 68 to 69. Where, where can we go for you hold what? You hold the words of life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's Romans 1, that's Genesis 1. Before God creates the earth, what, what's happening? There's darkness, there's darkness. There's no shape. It's formless. But what happens? He speaks light. What is Jesus? Jesus is light. Why? Because we're in darkness. Because we're lost in our sin. Because we need help. We need a savior. And by ourselves, just looking at creation isn't enough to save anyone. We needed something more. And so he gives us that. He gives us the living word in the beginning. Word. Notice the word that's used to describe him. It's speech. God's communicating to us that he is an intimate, personal, loving God who is all about revealing himself to us that we might be saved. If we were to turn to John 16, you know what we would see there? In fact, okay, let's turn there. John 16. Normally you go to this verse and you think, oh yeah, this is when the Holy Spirit comes. Gotcha, Pastor Jason. you There's nothing new I need to learn about that passage. Think about it in terms of this, God's word. Think about what is in place at the point when Jesus dies, is resurrected, and then ascends and goes back up into heaven. How much of the scripture that you hold in your hands this morning was completed at that time? None of it. None of it. What has to happen? A job needs to be completed. Not just any job, but Jesus' words. What Jesus wanted to be written on paper for us to behold and to hold today as his word is exactly what he's talking about here in one aspect, in bringing the Holy Spirit. Because if Jesus didn't leave, then this job of inspiration would not get done. Have you ever thought about that? John chapter 6, or I'm sorry, John chapter 16, 12 to 13. Look at what Jesus says. But when he, the the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. What is that getting at? That's getting at the, all that all the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote weren't the Apostle Paul's. They were Jesus' Christ's word to the church and to those various individuals and to all of us. The Old Testament, what was that? That's all about Jesus Christ being revealed. That's why Jesus Christ is the central theme of the Bible. And and do you recognize? Okay, maybe maybe I just have a small little mind, so I can't get a wrap, wrap my mind around it, and this blows my mind over and over again. But do you recognize that, that even when we are in glory, that we will not be perfect as God is perfect? We will not have all knowledge, We will continue to grow in knowledge. Who's going to be our teacher? He is. If you couldn't stop Jesus from teaching and preaching and sharing over and over again, God's word when he was here for only 33 years, what do you think all of eternity is going to be like? Man, this is so encouraging. How much do I truly understand this? About this much. And this is just the beginning because this then launches into the written word, the Bible that we hold in our hands because that's what Jesus is talking about on one aspect. Yes, that the Holy Spirit would indwell us, that the Holy Spirit would empower us, that we could live a life that is honoring to him. But also this whole aspect of God's word, it's what Pastor Shane brought to us what a month ago in 2 Timothy chapter 3, turn there. Chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. I know we're all very familiar with with this passage, but I want to bring it in light of this God's revelation to us. Special revelation. Do you know why this book is so different than any other book that you've ever held in your hands or that has ever been typed out, that that has been printed, that was written by the scribes for so long with tedious precision? Do you know why it's different? Because it's God's word. Because he's the source and he's the one behind all of it. Look at verse 16. I don't know what you, how your translation translated. All scripture is inspired. That means God breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Maybe you're like me, I don't know, maybe you're smarter than I am, but when I think of God breathed, I think of the stuff coming out of his mouth, and I think of that going on to those that are the guys that are then writing it, the Apostle Paul, Peter, John, Luke, and that, that, you know, they kind of turn into this weird state, their eyes glaze over, and that that that's how they write, and that that stuff has gone on them, and that's why, and then, then I picture Adam. As he's formed his body, but he doesn't have life yet, and that God breathes life into him, and I and I tend to only think of it as the manner in which it happened, and that's just my perception. Do you know that's not what is being emphasized here? What is being emphasized here is the, emphasized here in this in this word inspiration that it is God breathed is the origin of where this comes from, the authority behind it, who is the author. The source. The source is not the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy. Because if it was, it would be full of error. Oh, it has this personality. It is the Apostle Paul. It's written with, with his knowledge of Greek. Oh, for sure. And so as a result with each different guy that might be an author in the Bible, you'll see a different flare. But at the source and who is the person actually behind it all, it is God. We see the same thing in 2 second, second Peter. In fact, turn there with me. 2 Peter, chap, chapter 1. Also a very well-known passage of Scripture that we tend to think, oh, okay, well, so, so they couldn't do it by their own interpretation. But know this first of all. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 20 to 21 that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the holy spirit spoke from god this word translated as one's own interpretation could have been translated as one's own origin as in the source was Peter. No, it could never be the source of Peter. This is seen even in the, in the verbiage. But when men moved by the Holy Spirit, that's it's passive. That means that the Holy Spirit is in the driving seat, that he is the one pushing everything forward. If it wasn't, then this word that we hold in our hand would be so much like every other word. Every other published, printed book, what makes this entirely different is that it is sourced in God, that he is the author, that he is the originator of it. And as such, we can trust it. It is fully trustworthy. And it can do something that any other book cannot do, and it can do something that creation cannot do. And what is that? It can save us. Remember back in Psalm 19 verse 7 the law of the lord is what it's perfect how how can you make a book and have it be perfect how can you get 40 authors 66 different books and yet have them never disagree on what the themes are of scripture and have their accounts, even though you might be able to say, oh, well, he said this, he said, no, no, it's, it's from two different vantage points. But there's no error in this word. How can you truly say this word is perfect? The only way you can is if it is sourced in God, and that he is the author. And as such, then it can restore your soul. Then it can enlighten your eyes. Then it can rejoice your heart. Or look at James, James chapter 1. Verse 21, look at what the word of God can do here. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to do what? To save your souls. That is what the word of God can do. It is able to save your souls. Romans 10, 17, how does faith come? Saving faith, true saving faith, it comes through the hearing of God's word. Let me close our time with this. And again, I, I would encourage any of you that, that this, is, this is really just giving you a little glimpse and you want more and more and more. Then come back on Wednesday nights. Look, look at what we see written by John here in Revelation twenty two eighteen 18 to 20 that gives us clarity, gives, gives us understanding to know that what we hold in our hand doesn't contain all of the knowledge of God's truth but it contains exactly what he wanted to communicate to us and that it is finished, it is complete. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book may that not may that not be the case for for you may that not be the case for me and may that not be the case for Rancho Baptist Church this church that we would never add to God's word that we never take away from God's word that God's word would remain our solid rock our firm foundation let me pray as Pastor Shane and the worship team come up Heavenly Father, we we do, we soak in your truths this morning to think that you, the God who has created all things as we saw in Psalm 19, that you are the God that cares for us, that you are the God that loves us, that you are the God that continues to communicate to us over and over again. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. May our hearts now, in response, give you praise and adoration that you so richly deserve. And may we live for you all of our days. And may this church continue to hold your word and keep your word as our firm foundation. In Jesus' name, amen.